7.02. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Live, online. The 7.02 app, DSTV Channel 856. 92.7 and 106 FM. Coming up on the show today, the Electricity Minister says the grid remains unstable. He also responds to critics of the new energy plan. Hope calls for direct election of politicians. Ramaphosa's in Mpumalanga. Gwede Mantashe responds to Fakila Mbalula's contentious comments. The DA lays criminal charges against Bladen Zamande. The minister says he will not resign. And the latest on the Ladysmith floods. All of that over the next hour. 7.02. Let's walk the talk. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Midday Report on 702 and Cape Talk with me, Mandy Wiener. That lead story about the ANC President Cyril Ramaphosa in Mpumalanga, meeting with traditional leaders and royalty. We'll take you to Mpumalanga. Our reporter, Alpha Rabashwana, is there. I always say the ANC's election machinery kicks into gear and you can see it around January 8th. There's always a great big show and a demonstration of of the ANC. But as we've been discussing, uh, it really is going into this election, uh, the toughest election it's ever had to face. And, And many would argue that it has mismanaged the country. But when you look at how... Uh, the the election machinery kicks into gear around January 8th. It really is something to behold. I'd, I'd love to hear your WhatsApp voice notes on that. 072-7021702-072-567-1567. Well, let's start with the Minister in the presidents, uh, Presidency responsible for electricity, Dr. Josien Soramajopa, holding a briefing today. He's been speaking about the state of the grid, load shedding, the implementation of the energy action plan as well. He has really been responding to critics of that integrated resource resource plan, which was uh, published uh, a couple uh, last week for public comment. He has been speaking about the grid. Have a listen to what he had to say about how the grid remains unstable at the moment. A lot of that is to do with weather conditions. Have a listen. To put it into context, when you experience... Um uh, extreme uh, weather conditions uh, 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 when we have uh, conditions of uh, snow that we experience uh, during the during the winter period remember we had snow here in uh, in Gauteng uh, PM peak went to 33,000 megawatts so you can see the difference between what has been the extreme of uh, on the demand side 33,000 megawatts to what has been the low on the demand side in thousand megawatts but then what do we do in that instance? So what we do is to ramp up uh, plan maintenance. So you can see the big story there is around plan maintenance. So the period of uh, the 22nd of December to the 29th of December, we use the opportunity of uh, the fact that the demand has plummeted, has gone down significantly. So we don't just fold our arms and celebrate and say there is no load shedding. There is no load shedding, but we're doing something else. I did say that the delta, the difference between that winter peak and the, the low um, uh, PM peak uh, during a, a period of low demand is about 13,000 megawatts, as we, well, you see there. Then we took out 9,000 megawatts for plant maintenance. So I think it's important that there's that appreciation, the ramping up of, uh, of plant uh, plan maintenance. And that's what the team is doing. Just going back to the point I'm making, I did say that the system, the grid is unreliable. 
as a result of legacy issues, uh, underinvestment, no investment in some instances on plan maintenance. Um, uh, ESCOM did not have sufficient funds to invest in that plan maintenance thanks to the intervention by National Treasury that allowed uh, that fiscal support. Now ESCOM has gone aggressive in that plan maintenance, almost trying to recover what uh, we have lost over a period of time. It's going to take time for us to do that. Legacy issues, unplanned maintenance. Khomoto Modisa, EWN reporter, listening to that briefing for us. Khomoto, uh, a, a general overview of the situation in terms of load shedding and the grid being unstable. What else did the minister have to say? Well, Mandy, really the question remains, when will we start to see less load shedding? And that's exactly what the minister has been speaking on today. There have been questions around why we saw less load shedding during the December or the festive season. And he says that uh, particularly to, uh, to the, um, the, the units that returned to service from Kusile that we saw last year. And he says that has allowed them the opportunity to ramp up uh, planned maintenance and to be aggressive in terms of that maintenance. And we heard the minister saying because of that, um, we are not likely to see an increase in load shedding once industry returns. And that's important because people have been asking, I mean, if we are seeing phase one and two load shedding when we're on lower demand, does that mean load shedding will then intensify um, once we see industry reopen? He says because of the planned maintenance, we are in a situation currently where we can uh, expect um, you know, uh, we don't necessarily expect uh, intense or hectic load shedding for now. The minister's also spoken about a few other things, uh, including the memorandum of understanding with Praveen Gordon, the Minister of Public Enterprises. What did he say about that? Well, that was an important part of today's briefing because questions have been asked, Mandy, around why there was a need for this MOU. Um, and what this MOU really does is that it clarifies the role of the two ministers um, you know, we've heard you know, time and time again how there's a potential overlapping between the, the role and the duties of Minister Ramakopa and Minister Gordon. And uh, we heard Ramakopa today saying there hasn't been any misunderstanding between the two ministers necessarily. It's usually from ESCOM when ESCOM is not sure who to, or which minister to go to or to approach for whatever decisions they're making. And, and so he was saying that you know, to ensure that there are clear lines uh, of demarcation and an understanding of which duties are performed and executed by which minister, that MOU was important. And, um, you know, he says that um, he believes that it was necessary and going forward it will help to kind of give a, give a bit of clarity even when there's a bit of friction um, in that department. Mm. And then Khamoto, uh, he's also spoken, the energy minister, that is about the appealing of the Pretoria High Court matter. Remember that, of course, was to do with ensuring that there is constant electricity supply to hospitals, as an example. What has he said about that? Well, the department is um, approaching the Pretoria High Court for leave to appeal over the next few days. And he said they really are not appealing or disputing the fact that uh, load shedding uh, does um, affect the constitutional rights of South Africans. Uh, but he's saying that that ruling needs a bit of clarity around, number one, what it means when it speaks about him making, uh, taking the reasonable steps. But also he's questioning some of those departments and some of those um, entities that are stated in that ruling. So that ruling is very clear around um, which facilities, so it says hospitals, it says schools as well, um, as the key um, you know, uh, uh, facilities that should be 
and it should be ensured that there's no load shedding there or reasonable steps should be taken by the department to ensure that they're not affected by load shedding. But he's arguing that there are other facilities, there are other entities that are just as important. And he's highlighted water, Mandy, as a really important one, saying if we move all our efforts towards only the apartments or only the facilities that have been highlighted in this ruling, then what will happen when we, there is water insecurity? And so he wants the court to be rather explicit around which uh, facilities, which entities, uh, which departments should be prioritized in ensuring that um, the effects or the effects of load shedding on them is limited. Khomotsu Modise, EWN reporter, thank you very much for your time, giving us an update there on the Electricity Minister, Dr. Dr. Josien Soromachopa's briefing today. Let's get some analysis on this now with Chris Yellen, the energy analyst. Chris, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. The Minister making a point today to respond to critics of the IRP, the Integrated Resource Plan, the draft, shall I say, that was published uh, by the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy for Public Comment last week. Uh, You've been quoted as describing the draft IRP as a shoddy piece of work lacking in maturity and depth. And today the minister has said that uh, the critics, and he didn't name you specifically, he just said the critics, um, should not engage through the media. Welcome to 702 and Cape Talk. um, But rather should make uh, comments uh, through the public process. Uh, What are your thoughts on that? Well, of course, people should make comments through the public process um, and, and both oral comments and written comments uh, for consideration. Uh, but that doesn't mean to say that there shouldn't be engagement and analysis in the media as well. Uh, and uh, I generally do a bit of both. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to, to have that discussion in the pu- public space, in the media space, so that the public understands exactly what is in the, the IRP. So we have had a lot of reaction to the Energy Action Plan the minister today uh, defending it, inviting public comment. He's been speaking quite broadly on the state of the grid. What are your thoughts going into 2024 about the situation with, with electricity and the grid in general? Yeah, so one's got to look at it holistically. There's the generation of electricity. There's the grid, the transmission grid, which transfers that electricity from the power stations all over the country. And then there's the distribution networks, which uh, transport the electricity uh, the last mile uh, to the customer. Um, And uh, looking at this uh, overall, um, I I think there are obviously significant problems. And I don't think load shedding is going to disappear in the short term. It, It may become intermittent as it is at the moment. Uh, and uh, we hope that there will be a reduction in the frequency and intensity of load shedding uh, over the year. But uh, I think um, uh, we can still expect intermittent load shedding throughout this year because there is a shortage of generation capacity. And at the same time, the, the, grid, the, the, sorry, the ESCOM generation fleet is performing very poorly and hopefully uh, it's going to improve somewhat. But uh, It's not a quick fix. It takes time to fix because you have to shut down generators and fix them. On the grid side, the transmission grid, of course, there are grid constraints, which is inhibiting uh, some of the um, uh, larger uh, renewable energy um, uh, installations and and, uh, inability to provide them with grid access in certain provinces, particularly Eastern Cape, Western Cape, and Northern Cape. But there is grid capacity in other parts of the country. Um, and, and I think that's where the, the focus needs to shift to, uh, to that areas where there is grid availability. On the distribution side, there are huge problems on the distribution side with municipalities failing 
owing Eskom a lot of money. And I don't think um, government has got its head around. I don't think the electricity dis- supply industry has got its head around what on earth to do is with this failing distribution system. Because a lot of the outages that we experience are not load shedding, uh, but failures in the distribution system caused by any number of reasons, including cable theft, copper theft, aluminium theft, shortages of, 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 of transformer capacity, uh, you name it. Uh, there are so many problems there. Uh, and, and I don't think we've got our head around that problem yet. Chris, thank you very much. Uh, Chris Yelland, Energy Analyst, reflecting there on what the Electricity Minister, Josienzo Ramachopa, had to say today, uh, responding to critics of the draft IRP, but also speaking about load shedding, saying that to get to the situation where we have no load shedding, it starts with an hour, a day, a week, a year. There have been marginal gains and marginal victories, but it's still a reality. 702, the Midday Report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. So, as I mentioned, the ANC leadership today in Mpumalanga, they're there all week as part of their birthday celebrations. Today, the president, Cyril Ramaphosa, is in Mtambotini and he is engaging with traditional leaders. I have seen some reports saying that residents have blocked the R573 Maloto Road, east of Pretoria, uh, where the president uh, was due to pass earlier. All of this playing out against the backdrop of the comments made by the ANC Secretary General Fakila Mbalula about the Nkandla fire pool and how the ANC defended former President Jacob Zuma. Well, the minister, Gwede Mantashe, who was the Secretary General of the ANC during that period, has also made some comments in response to Fakile Mbalula, saying he shouldn't have made those comments. Have a listen. I think I, I, I listened very carefully to what he said as Secretary General. He's my Secretary General. I thought he was carried away by yourself, guys. Uh, he saw your cameras, he got taken away, and he said things he should not have said. Uh, to me, uh, it's an issue that we will have to deal with it internally, that when you lead, you count every word you say. If you don't, you catch fire. And, and, and I think it's something that you learn in the trade. As you grow in the trade, you understand that better. You can say things that uh, you are saying without being excited, but say things and explain things very well. For example, let me give you an example. He talked about a water pool, a fire pool. And I reminded comrades that we went to Nkandla. We saw that swimming pool. We came out, journalists ambushed us and asked, what did you see? We told journalists, this is a swimming pool. But because there's a lot of water, in case of fire, it can be used as a fire pool. We closed the case. Because it's a swimming pool with a lot of water. So that closed the case. I don't know why do you reopen that today. I can't understand it. Mm, revisionist history, I would describe that, Gwede uh, Mantashe, because there was an entire press conference with Nati and Hleko in which he explained all of that. And uh, it wasn't just an ambush. Anyway, Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter, is in Pumalanga for us today. Alpha, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. The president is uh, in Mpumalanga. He's in Mtambotini. He is meeting with uh, the royalty, uh, also with uh, traditional leaders. Tell us what's happening there. Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes. Uh President Cyril Ramaphosa, ANC President Cyril Ramaphosa is with a delegation of his National Executive Committee in Mtambotini in Mpumalanga and they are meeting uh, the first batch of traditional leaders here and uh, I am looking at the Royal Council and it does seem like they are about to 
conclude. At the moment, the media is not allowed inside the engagements. It's uh, a private session. And of course, we will be traveling again with uh, uh, the president to another region in Bumalanga, where he's going to be meeting uh, another delegation of, of um, uh, traditional leaders. But I think it's quite interesting that all these festivities on the lead up to the January 8th statement on Saturday um, are sort of embroiled up or covered up by a lot of controversy around the ANC lately. Mandy, you did mention the Fikil and Balula matter. And now we did hear also from our NEC member, uh, 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 Mr. Nkleko, raising concerns over uh, the ANC's failure to take a decision on Jacob Zuma to campaign for another party, you know. And he's also referred to uh, uh, the SG as the worst one uh, since 1912 when the party formed. So at the moment, uh, while the ANC is doing all these festivities, there's a lot that the party still has to answer to, and there's a lot that the party is currently going through. But let's take a listen to what uh, the ANC's uh, spokesperson in Pumalanga, Sema Sangwa, had to say about the engagement with uh, traditional leaders. When the ANC is in the province, it goes and visits all traditional leaders, the kings, um, the local kings, the headmans, in an area where government that is going to operate or to conduct any, any meeting with the public. In our culture, we call it um, a greetings, so now or introduction in a lack of a better word. So that's what's going to happen here, whereby there will be some interactions, engagement, obviously, to catch up with some certain one or two things there and there. But where is, what is going to happen today is going to be a pilgrimage where the president is going to greet the king and the king will bring the entire entourage, as you see, the whole uh, community here in support what the king uh, and also the members of the ANC of us, where the ANC president goes, the, the members goes there as well. Alpha, I have spoken about the ANC election machinery, how it's very good at uh, putting on a great big show for everyone. Um, but there are reports that uh, some residents in Mpumalanga are protesting, that they've blocked roads as well um, as a message to the president. What kind of reception has he received there today? So, Mandy, at about 8.30, um, quarter past eight this morning when we were driving to uh, Mtambotini, uh, on the Mulutu Road, the R573, we actually did, uh, you know, walk about uh, well, drive past uh, a group of people who it looked like they had just concluded their protest there was rubble all over the Muluto road and if you know the road it's a very very narrow road and it's the only way uh, that could possibly lead you to this area from uh, the pretoria east side so when we got there there was rubble all over the place there were police very high police presence and there were also fire trucks it seemed like it seems like you know uh, uh, tires had been set alight uh, a few moments before we arrived but uh, the president did arrive here safely, and I did raise the question to his team, uh, his spokesperson, Masengi Pegu, asking her if there's been any problems with the president arriving here. And she says it was seamless. Uh, when he drove past, the, the, when there was no uh, protest and there were no issues. And it seemed like the protest was uh, it died down before mm. uh, 8.30 this morning. Alpha, thank you very much. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter. He's uh, in Mpumalanga for us, where the ANC President Cyril Ramaphosa is meeting with uh, various traditional leaders and royalty. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. The president of COPE, remember them, Mosiwa Lakota, urgently briefing the media today. The briefing will address a critical constitutional matter of a significant national concern and importance. That was the briefing that, or the message that went out to the media today, that it's urgent, that it's critical. Well, what did Mosiwa Lakota have to say? Tobiso Koba, EWN reporter, joins us now. Tobiso, good afternoon to you. What did uh, Terry Lakota say today? 
Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, as I said, uh, we're here at the provincial offices of COPE um, here in Johannesburg. Um, so it's, it's a very, very um, important um, issue that they're raising here, Mandy. Um, whether it actually does ever get implemented um, is another issue. So what COPE um, calls this, me- this media briefing for is that they want to introduce an amendment to the Constitution, Mandy. This amendment would allow for people to vote directly for presidents, to vote directly for premiers, to vote directly for mayors. And one of the, uh, you know, one of the reasons that Coop said um, they want to do this is they made an example with um, Figil Mbalula, where obviously Figil Mbalula admitted that the ANC, you know, did everything in its power to protect Zuma from the Ganja scandal. So Coop is saying that, you know, we do not want people that are emboldened to these people in leadership positions. And what eventually happens is that that our current political system where people vote for political parties and then those political parties go on to appoint those um, presidents, premiers and mayors, that sort of um, divorces people from the entire um, process of democracy. And so obviously they want this constitutional amendment to actually go into place. But I will say, obviously, Mandy, we do know that COPE, um, only has two parliamentary seats in the National Assembly and no seats in the provincial legislature. So th- those are the two houses that you need um, to pass a constitutional amendment. And they did say that we are aware of that reality. However, this is one of our campaign promises that we are going to take forward to the 2024 um, elections. And once we have a mandate from the people, then we can go forward and um, look about it, how we implement this. So this is, uh, we, I did speak to the acting general secretary of COPE, Eric Moshlapamwasi, and he expands on this idea for COPE to do a constitutional amendment on our electoral systems. Congress of the People is calling for the direct election of the president, of the premiers, and even the mayors in various municipalities. This was prompted by the failures or the failure that uh, that uh, was witnessed by the former president and the current president as far as service delivery is concerned. And we feel that you know because they have been too accounting to the accounting to the uh, to the uh, political party, we need a leader who is accountable to South Africans as a whole. That uh, if. Uh, if he does something wrong, South Africans can hold him accountable. We have, these have been proved by what has happened now. We had a challenge with, uh, with, with what was happening in Kandles, for example, that um, Balula just mentioned that uh, they lied to the nation by telling the nation that uh, a swimming pool is it's a, it's a, it's a fire, fire pool. You know, such kind of things. So now, if he has mentioned to say that, how many more lies were told? that were fed to the to the to, to the to the to to the nation. So we don't want such kind of lies because you know if a political party is more given such kind of powers, a leader is then taken away and then they do protect the leader instead of the leader counting directly to the to the to, to the South Africans.
Thank you to, uh, to, to Biso Goba, EWN reporter, for sending us that audio. So that's the call from Mosiwa Lakota, the president of COPE, an amendment to the constitution to allow the people to vote directly for uh, the individual to be president of the country, not vote for political parties. There's been a lot of debates around this idea of direct election. As you see in the US, as an example, where the Republican Party or the Democratic Party um, puts forward a candidate and you vote for the individual. I would understand why, as COPE, they would want that, because COPE itself has shrunk to such a tiny proportion of support, whereas the face of Masiwa Lakota is more identifiable, more familiar, perhaps uh, they're saying this will solve the coalition debacle in government. But then you sit with the the problem of um, politics, uh, of of the the personality. And I can imagine that is something that will just never pass muster in South Africa with our constitutional democracy. And of course, uh, COPE just does not have the representation in the National Assembly or the NCOP to ever get anything like this through. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi, uh, Mendy, it's Norman in Pretoria. I think the chairperson of the ANC, Guerre uh, Mantash, is correct uh, in uh, criticizing the remarks of uh, Balula yesterday. But equally so, the ANC is, is liable and responsible for what happened during the Nkandla scandal, where about over 200 million was, was used on that property of President Zuma. And uh, on the rah-rah going around about President Ramaphosa, threatening people that uh, if the ANC gets out of government, they will take out uh, the people's sasa money. I think that uh, President Ramaphosa must not scare people. Uh, I think uh, it's cheap politicking. Thank you. You know what, Mendy? Gwere um, Mantashe is, is trying very hard to do to make damage control. And I think Figuilem Balula is really damaged. Um, the party with his statements but even in him trying to justify this he still doesn't make sense and he knows that it never made sense to start with but it was enough to close the chapter there was too much water in the pool which made it a fire pool that still doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense but at least it was enough to be taken that's what he's arguing now Please don't try and make sense of what they said about the fire pool that is actually the swimming pool that had too much water so it became a fire pool because it never made sense before and it doesn't make sense now. And we all knew that it was just absolute nonsense and Fakila Mbulula has just said the quiet part out loud now and it makes us all appreciate the fact that the ANC was just trying to protect Jacob Zuma and that's exactly what has happened here. Um, and I think that, that Gwede Mantashe is going to call out Fakila Mbulula here but it's going to make for a very interesting uh, situation behind closed doors for the ANC. Did you read Fakile Mbalula's tweet last night, which he edited a couple of times? And it was also quite complicated. I think lawyers may have been involved. I think some PR people may have been involved in trying to craft that as well to manage the situation. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of this going on for, for the next few months. And I'm not sure that what the president said around social grants, basically saying that if the ANC uh, is voted out of government, that it will be the end of social grants. I don't know if that's a threat. I think that the ANC has relied very heavily on social grants, the fact that almost half of the population is dependent on some form of a social grant. I think that could be a reality. I don't know if that's a threat, but I think that very much could be the case. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk.
Well, let's go to the other big controversial story of the week, and that is the allegations against the Higher Education Minister, Bladen Zamande and NS Afas. Well, the DA has now laid criminal charges against Zamande. He has denied all of the allegations. He has come out very strongly saying that he denies the allegations and that uh, he believes that he, well, he says he will not be resigning over these corruption allegations. He also wants to take action against Alta for making uh, the serious of recordings public as well. Well, let's uh, speak to Babalo Ndenze, EWN reporter, about the criminal charges that have now been laid. Babalo, good afternoon to you. Tell us what the DA is doing here. Yes, good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, the DA approaching the police uh, at the Cape Town Central Police Station uh, this morning to lay these criminal, this criminal complaint or charges against, you know, the NSFAS as well as the minister. And this also involves the SACP, and which we know that the minister leads that um, South African Communist Party, you know, for decades now. Um, and we know that, you know, the party laid the charges this morning, and they say they're doing this because, you know, they feel that they, it has to be done on behalf of the millions of South African students whose futures are now interrupted and because of these allegations or this, these, these payments of kickbacks that have been paid, as well as maladministration, general maladministration, of the scheme and, um, you know, the delay in payment for students, which makes them really suffer at the beginning of every year. And we know that, you know, the DA shadow deputy minister of higher education, accompanied by Chief Whipsi were at the police station this morning, Karabo Kaukau, uh, who's the deputy shadow minister of higher education for the DA. And she says that, you know, the minister squandered his opportunity yesterday to take the public into his confidence and, and he basically provided no evidence at that briefing to contradict these allegations that were leveled by Alta, that he received kickback payments. Uh, and let's just listen to what else she said this morning, Mandy. The Democratic Alliance has just laid criminal charges at the Cape Town Police Station. These charges are against Minister Nzimande. This is following the outer release of allegations of corruption happening within NISFAS and the department. We as the Democratic Alliance take this seriously because the people who are affected by the criminal activities within this department are millions of students who depend on a non-corrupt government to fund their studies for their futures. We know that we have over 1.1 billion funding shortfall. This means that in this academic year, there will be an additional 87,000 students who will not be funded in addition to over the 20,000 students whose fundings were interrupted in the previous academic year. We demand that the law takes its course. We demand that Parliament also takes its course. We do not want Minister Nzimande. He is not the right man for the job. He does not serve students. The DA's chief whip, Sibiwe Gwahube, uh, speaking there at the Cape Town Central Police Station. Babalo, what else has Bladen Zamande been saying about this, aside from the fact that he denies it and he won't resign? Well, the minister does, you know, um, um, deny this, and his, you know, spokesperson, Ishmael Nisi, goes on to say that, you know, all these allegations and running to the police, you know, by the DA, as well as making these allegations public and the recordings public by outer, was, you know, basically, you know, um, a bit premature. And any cause for the minister to resign, you know, or to basically resign because of these allegations is also premature. And basically, NSFAS, I beg your pardon, Ishmael Nisi from NSFAS, the spokesperson, also touched on this matter as well, Mandy. So basically, they just saying that, you know, these allegations, it's a bit premature at the moment for anyone to resign. And, you know, the law should basically take its course. And we should not basically rush to any conclusions 
and the DA can, you know, go ahead and lay this, this criminal complaint or these criminal charges, uh, as well as calls from, you know, the Freedom Front Plus, as well, namely the Parliament, as well as the Portfolio Committee, should also take the matter up and also discuss it as soon as possible, now that as, even though uh, MPs are currently on a recess. So the matter has to be given attention by the police as well as Parliament, according to these political parties, Mandy. Babalo, thank you very much. Babalo and Denze, EWN reporter, giving us an update there on the criminal charges that have been laid by the Democratic Alliance against the Higher Education Minister, Blade Nzamande. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, it is that time of year again where you're getting ready for school starting, which means stationery. It means new school uniforms. I uh, I did it yesterday. I took my kids to go and get uh, school uniforms, and the shops were really, really busy. But there have already been a lot of complaints around uh, this issue of competition and exclusivity deals with suppliers. Remember uh, two years ago, the Competition Commission reached an agreement that schools had to do away with those exclusivity deals with suppliers, but... Uh, we're still seeing parents uh, complaining about the fact that there are schools flouting this. And the Competition Commission has received over 200 complaints about this. And Tutuzelo Nene, EWN reporter, following the story for us. And Tutuzelo, good afternoon to you. What is the Competition Commission saying about this? Good afternoon, Mandy. Um, the Competition Commission has vowed um, to prosecute those schools that are still found to be flouting the school uniform guidelines. And as we've mentioned, in 2021, the commission reached an agreement um, that schools scrapped the exclusivity deals with the school uniform suppliers. Now, that agreement um, came after some parents approached the commission uh, to complain about the exorbitant prices of school uniforms. Uh, The commission saying that some of those schools are still not complying uh, with those guidelines that were set. And it said it's not illegal for schools to have these exclusive agreements with, uh, with the suppliers. Uh, but what is wrong are the exclusive deals that are entered into with a competitive tender process uh, to allow for other suppliers to come forward and beat for those tenders to sell school uniforms. If there are people out there who do pick up that there is an issue with the exclusivity, that they believe that there should um, be an investigation by the Competition Commission, uh, what do they do? Do they th- approach the Competition Commission directly and then the, the Commission investigates and prosecutes the, the individual school? The Competition Commission is encouraging um, all parents you know, to come forward uh, and speak up uh, when they you know, suspect um, these sort of deals are still going on uh, in the background. And then they're saying that, you know, they are obligated to, to investigate um, the claims, um, you know, and, and, and prosecute those schools that are found to still be, you know, contravening uh, these guidelines set by the Competition Act. Ntuduzelo, thank you very much. Ntuduzelo Nene, EWN reporter, speaking to us there about uh, the issues around uniforms and competition. Uh, If you are busy this week uh, looking to buy uniforms for your kids and you do pick up an issue, you can contact the Competition Commission. They have said that they will prosecute schools that are flouting uh, this uh, in terms of competition. What's up, Mandy? On 072-702-1702. Hi Mandy, uh, Steve here. Just on the back of the parlor parlor and uh, other such like incidences, um, 
There's very little that's been reported or follow, followed up, in fact, on the 500 billion that went missing just after COVID. Uh, hopefully, some journalists will get back onto this and bring it to 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 to, to bear because. I think we're politicking in terms of party issues. Uh, no one's speaking about the 500 billion. It's like the big white elephant in the room. Thanks, Manny. Remember, there were um, SIU investigations into the um, maladministration, mismanagement of uh, finances around COVID. And uh, the SIU was busy with that. There was a proclamation. Um, but I take your point on that. And, uh, and the point that I made yesterday as well, um, in, in response to this whole issue around Fakila and Bulula and the, the fire pool, is that it, it, it is indeed... Uh, as our analyst told us yesterday, Ungama told us that it is a vintage ANC where they are willing to, to compromise and do anything to close ranks and protect the, the ANC. Um, and I think that that's what the ANC would do now if it were, were to come uh, to Sir Ramaphosa and, and Palapala. And in fact, Fakili Mbalula saying in his tweet uh, last night, uh, trying to explain that on Twitter or X, Mrs. Peggy says, lol, so Blade says in one breath that the DA mustn't go running to the police, but in the other breath, the law must take its course so are the police not the law well the police will now have to investigate because the DA has laid criminal charges and then Mbazima Shiloa uh, who of course was part of the leadership of COPE uh, has tweeted me to say I know it's ancient time but if one was to peruse the COPE 2009 manifesto the proposal for directly elected mayors premiers and president would be staring at you exclamation mark and I think this is important, right? Because Monsieur Lakota has called a press conference today to say urgent, uh, critical national announcement. And this is the announcement is that they are backing direct election uh, of individuals or personalities. And this was part of their manifesto in 2009, which was 14, 15 years ago now. So why the big announcement and why is COPE now backing this again? And I think that's an important point that Mbazima Shalowa makes there. Thank you very much, uh, Premier. 702. 702. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. We have been watching the situation around the heavy raids, rains and the flooding in Ladysmith in particular. EWN KZN reporter is in Ladysmith for us, having a look at the impact of the heavy rains. Then he joins us now. Good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, what kind of impact has there been around Ladysmith and, and in terms of the people that have lost their lives and the mop-up operations that are underway there? Well, many disaster teams are still coming the scene and, you know, the ground in parts of Ladysmith, especially the town CPD. I think that's the most affected area with a lot of business having forced to close their doors. This includes, um, you know, well-known franchises like your chicken licking here where people rely on, you know, heavily to buy their fast food. You have mechanical uh, stores that have had to close. And while still repairing people's cars, this is because it seems that the impact is getting worse uh, because of the rain that we have experienced in the province, mainly. And I can tell you that authorities are basically saying that uh, uh, disaster management teams have been dispatched to work the scene here. But mainly the intriguing, and I think the most concerning thing for residents here is the fact that this is not the first time the city experiences such a flooding. In December, local authorities made you know, uh, an excuse to say um, it, it was the first time that they had the Bell Sprite River bursting its banks. 
But it seems now this issue goes back to the Clip River now that has also passed its banks to the town CBT land. Sure. So we have seen uh, repeatedly, as you've mentioned, impact like this in Ladysmith from uh, from the flooding. So what are the officials there saying about preventing further incidents such as this from happening again? Well, Mindy, I'll tell you what residents say. Residents say that this has been a promise that the local government here has made various, on various occasions, but it was one promise that they never keep to. This is a town formerly ran by an ANC government and then was claimed by an IFP government. But they say while they hoped to see change with the new government that elected, it, it's as though things are getting worse or are still like they were during the ANC's tenure when it ran this town years ago. But mainly, really, if you look at the, clo- uh, the, the clip over here, in fact, we are now heading to the to hall where uh, around where it's two last night. I can tell you, man, that a total of 93 people were evacuated from their homes in parts of the province, with around seven homes completely destroyed. Exactly, man, the the flooding that claimed 21 lives here, with two people still co- uh, reported missing. You'd recall, man, that uh, uh, just after Christmas Day, we had to respond to a disaster that happened here, according to Western they had to ditch their Christmas lunch at the time and to come here. They are back here again, Mandy, but this time around, luckily, no deaths have been reported as it stands. But, of course, the divers mm. are, of course, sweeping through the, the riverbanks trying to ensure that they find some people who may have been reported missing, but no confirmed deaths as it stands, Mandy. But I'd, I'd like to take you back to January 2022. You'd recall we were here again for the floods where you saw the Windsor High School which was also you know badly damaged the stationary there and infrastructure at the school was badly damaged again it seems as though as weeks come close I mean as, as the opening date approaches it seems as though many children in the latest mid area will have no return to but tragically when you'd recall a 13 year old school back then that we were looking for till this day has not been found so those are the concerns from community members to say it's Government is not doing anything about the issues, but pointing to the system that they are no longer they are no longer functioning properly, and that's according to community members saying that should they be assisted mm. uh, by government to ensure that those storm drainage are functioning are functioning pro- properly, then they will be able to avert or prevent such situations as a time goes. Nkantla, thank you very much. And Nkantla Mabasal, EWN reporter in Ladysmith for us, uh, giving us an assessment there of what people are saying following those floods and what the operations are like. Uh, he also spoke to the KwaZulu-Natal Cooperative Governance and Traditional Affairs spokesperson, Siboniso Ngadi, about that. In Ladysmith, approximately 70 people were evacuated from the central town and were placed in the indoor sports centre uh, nearby the town. Our teams also responded to a Stateville township area where 15 people had to be evacuated to a community hall, while in another uh, area, Ematiwani, 23 people were also placed in the uh, community hall for their safety. So that's an update there on the situation in Ladysmith. Well, there are also concerns about more bad weather, more severe thunderstorms in parts of the country. The SA Weather Service issuing a yellow level two warning for this, which could result in hail, strong winds, heavy downpours over parts of various parts 
of the country. Elizabeth Fulion, SA Weather Service forecaster, joining us now to uh, give us more detail about this. Elizabeth, good afternoon to you. Thank you for, for joining us again. Great to have you on air. Uh, what are some of the warnings that the Weather Service is issuing for this week? Good afternoon, Mandy. Yes, so we've got for today, we've got two warnings out. We've got a one warning, that's a yellow level two for those severe thunderstorms. That's mainly over the central interior of the country. So if you can visualize it, it's more of the eastern parts of the Northern Cape, extreme west parts of northwest province, as well as northern and or central and western parts of the free state. So it's really that central blob over the country. That's what we're looking at, possible severe thunderstorms. Over in Pumalanga, as well as Gauteng, there is a possibility of some heavy rain. We've actually got some downfalls currently just moved into Gauteng. And if you look out your window towards the west, you'll see those storms. You should see a bit of darkness moving in. So these storms are coming in from the west. And they're going to be slow moving. So they're not moving through very fast. So therefore, we're expecting them to result more in heavy downpours and possibly flooding. Whereas if thunderstorms are moving very fast, that's when we see the damage as a result of strong and damaging winds. So these ones are slow moving, so staying over the same area for a longer period of time and therefore could result in some flooding. Forecasting for the rest of the week, we're going to see some rain, quite a bit of rain on and off throughout the week. Temperatures are going to be a lot cooler than what they have been, so I think that's a bit of a relief from what we have been experiencing. Today a high of 27 in Johannesburg. From tomorrow it's basically 29, so still warm. So not too bad, but it's not those mid to high 50s that we have been experiencing. And then Saturday down to 28. Sunday, a bit of cooler conditions are expected with a high of only 25. Similar temperatures are expected down in another city. So Cape Town is also around 25 today, 24 tomorrow, 26 on Thursday and 24 on Friday. However, Cape Town is going to be beautiful and dry. So no rainfall is expected there. Clear skies, a bit of clouds around today, but otherwise clear skies are expected with most of the activity over the central and eastern parts of the country. Elizabeth, thank you so much for all of that. Elizabeth Fillion, SA Weather Service uh, forecaster. So um, for our Cape Town listeners, like you, you have beautiful weather. Um, but for other parts of the country, there are warnings out. As Elizabeth explained, there a yellow level two warning uh, for uh, strong winds, heavy downpours over the eastern parts of the Northern Cape, Southern and Northwest and the Western and Central parts of the Free State. And then also um, concerns around the uh, Southern high-lying areas of Mpumalanga and Gauteng. So watch out if you're in those areas. The ANC in particular should watch out for that bad weather. 702. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Let's walk the talk. So that's what you need to keep an eye on today is the fact that the ANC is in Mpumalanga. I think that's a big talking point. The president, Cyril Ramaphosa, is meeting with traditional leaders, uh, also with royalty in Mpumalanga today. But all of this playing out against that backdrop of what Fakile Mbalula had to say about um, the fire pool at Nkandla. And what we're seeing now is a response from Gwede Mantashe, who is the chairperson of the ANC and the former SG as well, uh, publicly criticising Fakile Mbalula for what he said, saying he never should have made those comments. And now there is a voice note that is doing the rounds uh, of the former police minister, Natien Hleko. He, who of the uh, Firepool press conference, has responded uh, saying that um, he's come out guns blazing, according to a report in News 24. And if you've heard that WhatsApp voice note, uh, you'll hear that uh, Natien Hleko is insisting 
insisting that the justification for the irregular spending of public funds on that swimming pool um, as a security feature uh, stands. And uh, he has called Fakila Mbulula the worst SG of the ANC and has really had a go at him and has really, really come after Fakila Mbulula saying, if he says I was lying, you need to counter me with something that says here is proof that whatever you said was not true. And up until this point, nobody can do that. So what we're seeing really is the ANC infighting at a point when they really cannot afford to be doing so. So I think that's the other one to watch today. And then, of course, uh, the criminal charges that have been laid by the Democratic Alliance against Bladen Zamande, the higher education minister, around these NSFAS claims. And Zamande is saying he will not resign. He's been speaking about the lifestyle audit that he was subjected to, about how um, it was degrading to go through that uh, and and how it, it wasn't really fair. So I think that's going to be the other big story of the week as well.